So Rain starts shopping around. She's in the little girl's clothing section. And then that's when Donald finally joins them. Now, he wasn't really shopping for anything himself. He was kind of just watching them. And then out of nowhere, he decided to add something to the cart that Rain had. And what he added was rope. Hey everyone, welcome back to What Happened with Jackie Flores. I hope you guys are doing super, super well. Welcome to episode 15 of my new podcast. Things have been going so well with the podcast and I truly appreciate all the support and the love that you guys have shown this. It truly means the world to me and I just can't wait to continue for the podcast to grow. So today we're going to be talking about a case that is very upsetting. I had never heard of this case until someone told me about this recently and I just couldn't believe that this was real. It breaks my heart and any case that involves a child is just very difficult to talk about. Today, we're going to be talking about what happened to Cherish Periwinkle. And I do want to put a trigger warning before we begin because we're going to be talking about child sexual assault, which again is always very difficult to listen to and to talk about. But cases like these are important to share so that people can learn from this and realize that things like this can happen and they do happen. It's scary. You know, you never want to think that someone has bad intentions towards your child, but you never know. So with that, let's jump right in and let's talk about what happened to Cherish Periwinkle. Cherish Periwinkle was born on December 24th, 2004 in Jacksonville, Florida. Because she was born so close to Christmas, her mother Rain actually called her the best Christmas gift. This was just a big blessing for her and she was just so excited about this new chapter in her life. Cherish was born to her parents Rain Periwinkle and Billy Jarreau. Her mother Rain was an exotic dancer when she met her father Billy who was a sailor at the time. The two of them had a one night relationship and that's how Cherish was conceived. So three years after Cherish was born, Rain actually sued Billy for child support and then after that the two of them kind of you know fought over who would get full custody of Cherish for the rest of her life. You know they both really loved Cherish and they wanted to be with her and give her the best life that they could but they knew that it wasn't healthy for them to be in a relationship together so the best option for them was to co-parent. At this point Billy was married you know he had a new relationship a new life so he couldn't be with Rain but he still wanted to be there for Cherish. You know he loved his daughter and he knew that the best option was for them to co-parent. However things didn't go smoothly. I mean, I feel like it's rare for me to hear a co-parenting situation to have no issues. There's always something that happens. So, of course, Billy and Rain did have arguments in court over how Cherish, you know, was going to be raised, you know, how she was dressed, about the money situation. And at one point, they were even arguing about how Cherish got head lice because at one point, she did get lice and they were arguing, you know, back and forth of how this happened to her. Another factor that made the custody battle so challenging was that Billy now lived in California with his new wife. Cherish was still living in Florida with her mother and with her family. So obviously California and Florida are on completely different ends of the country and that just made it even more difficult for them to figure out where Cherish should go to. In April 2010, a court-appointed evaluator recommended that Cherish go live with Billy in California. The evaluator wrote, quote, neither parent was perfect and said that this was the hardest case that he had ever taken on. The report said that Rain lacked financial stability, she had been evicted in the past, and she had admitted to mental health issues that led her to make poor choices in life. The evaluator said that, you know, the decision didn't come easily. It was actually a difficult decision to come to, and he honestly feared for Cherish's future. And, you know, he spent so many hours coming to this decision and figuring out what the best option for Cherish would be. You know, they're literally deciding whether Cherish is going to move across the country to go live with her father in California, or if she's going to stay here in Florida with everyone and everything she's ever known. So it was a tough decision, and despite the evaluator's recommendation for Cherish to go 
live in California with her father, a Jacksonville judge ruled that Cherry should stay in Florida and live with her mother, Rain. So fast forward to 2013, Cherish was eight years old and she was still living in Florida with her mother, Rain, her new boyfriend, and her two younger half-sisters while her father, Billy, lived in California. Cherish attended the second grade in Chaffee Trail Elementary School and she loved drawing pictures that she would share with her mom and with others. Cherish was a loving older sister to her two younger siblings. You know, she would always play school with them. You know, she would be the teacher and they would be the students and she would read to them. Her dad, Billy, said, you know, you would never see Cherish unhappy and that she always had this big smile on her face. And he said that anyone who met her would tell you the same thing, that Cherish was a happy child. Billy says that he knew that when Cherish grew up, that she would be successful in anything that she wanted to do. She loved to tell jokes and she just wanted to make others happy. She was very outgoing and she also loved to you know, she actually wanted to be like her mom and she would often dress up in her clothes and watch movies with her and just bond. She also had recently learned how to ride a bicycle without her training wheels. And, you know, she was pretty much just like any other kid who just wanted to enjoy herself, grow up and be with her family. Everything seemed to be going well, but unfortunately in 2013, that would all change. On June 21st, 2013, eight-year-old Cherish was getting ready to visit her dad, Billy, in California to spend the summer with him. She was packing her bags, washing her hair, and that's when she decided that she actually wanted to go buy some new clothes for her trip. So at around 7.30 p.m. that evening, Cherish's mother, Rain, took her and her two little sisters to the family dollar store on Edgewood Avenue. At the time, Rain didn't have a car, but the store was just a 20-minute walk from their home, so they decided to just walk there. Now, she was walking with three little children all by herself, which is a lot. You know, she had a stroller for the youngest child, and then she was holding hands with Cherish and her other sister. Now, I'm not a parent, but even I know how difficult this is. You know, taking care of three kids on your own and then walking for 20 minutes, it's a lot. So after the 20-minute walk, Rain and her three children arrived at the dollar store and they started looking for clothes to buy. However, Rain didn't really have a lot of money on her. You know, money was tight in the household and her boyfriend had given her about $100 and he said that she needed to use this for groceries, you know, household items and for clothes for the girls. And then there needed to be money left over for them to take Cherish to the airport the next morning and pay for the taxi. So yeah, that's pretty much it. She had $100 and she somehow needed to make this $100 last until tomorrow. So Rain was at the dollar store, you know, trying to figure out what to do and you know how she was going to pay for all of Cherish's new clothes plus all the other things that she needed to pay for. She did end up making some purchases at the dollar store and then she decided to walk across the street to another dollar store to continue shopping. She was inside the Dollar General store for about an hour looking for a pencil sharpener and for some clothes. About an hour later she walked outside and that's when she was approached by a 59 year old man named Donald Smith. Now she kind of recognized Donald. She had seen him in the store earlier but she didn't know him. She says that when she was in the shoe aisle trying on shoes with her children, she realized that Donald was standing there just watching them. Now, Rain had been looking at this black dress that she wanted to buy for one of her daughters, but she didn't know if she had enough money to buy it because, again, she needed to buy things for Cherish, for the house, and then she also needed the money for the airport the next day. So she was trying to figure out how to pay for this black dress, and that's when the man Donald came up to her and said, quote, if you really want this dress, I'll buy it for you. So he was clearly watching Rain and the children because otherwise, how would he realize that Rain was trying to find a way to buy this dress and that she was struggling to afford it. So he told Rain that he had a $150 gift card that his wife was going to bring him and that they could use it at Walmart. So they're standing outside the Dollar General, you know, parking lot, waiting for the wife to come and minutes pass, but the wife just doesn't arrive. Now Rain starts to get worried. You know, she asked Donald, where's your wife? 
and he says oh she's on her way you know don't worry about it and they all kind of just sit outside the parking lot waiting while they're waiting cherish and her younger siblings are just playing with some of the umbrellas because it actually started to rain and donald was sitting inside his white van with the door open now while they're waiting donald was telling rain about himself he was telling her about the church that he went to he was talking about how he had a wife and rain just felt like this was an innocent old man now at first she was a little creeped out by him because like i mentioned he was watching her in the store so while she was trying on clothes and you know just doing things he was staring at her and she honestly felt like he was gonna rob her you know he saw the female by herself with three young children so she honestly thought that he was just gonna rob her as soon as she left the store however as soon as she started talking to him outside and he started talking about his family she felt like he was an innocent person that just wanted to help her out now since it was raining and the wife hadn't arrived yet donald told rain why don't i just drive you to walmart and then my wife will meet us there and give us a gift card and that'll be the new plan. Now, when Rain heard this, she didn't want to agree to this plan right away because she just wanted to make sure that his wife was actually going to go to Walmart. So she didn't get in the car right away. And because she didn't do this, she says that Donald kind of got snappy with her. And he was kind of like, you don't have to do this. Like, let me show you my driver's license so you can see my information and see where I live so you can trust me. And he actually pulls out his driver's license and he shows Rain all of this information. And because he's doing this, she starts to feel like she can trust him. And she starts to get a little bit more comfortable with him and she realizes you know maybe i'm just being paranoid maybe this guy is just an innocent old man that just wants to help me and because of that she agrees to get inside the car with her three young children now when they get inside the van rain says that it was a little bit creepy you know there were blinds on the windows there was no middle seat and the passenger seat was pushed all the way down which is a little bit odd i feel like that would have definitely stood out to me like i would have been like there's no way i'm getting inside that van however at the time rain didn't have a cell phone on her she did have a phone but her youngest daughter was playing with it earlier and then had dropped it in some water so it was no longer working so it's not like rain could have called her boyfriend to come pick them up or like called someone about this you know she really had no other option in her mind because it was literally raining how was she gonna walk home and then the guy was offering her 150 dollars which is a lot to her and she needed the money so because of all of this she agreed to get inside the car and they all started heading over to the walmart which was just about 10 minutes away and while they were driving to walmart donald and rain continued to talk and he kind of just started asking them you know how old she was how old her children were and he says that he's 60 and then he also tells rain you know don't worry you're safe with me which i feel like is a very weird thing to say i also feel like it's just crazy that rain got inside this car with a stranger in the first place i know she says that she trusted him and she felt like he was just an innocent old man but i feel like the way that the van looked like is just a big red flag but you know maybe donald felt like rain was also concerned about this and that's why he decided to tell rain don't worry you're safe with me you know to get her to continue to trust him and you know rain believed him and again she just wanted to trust him and she wanted to think that everything was okay so they eventually pulled into the walmart parking lot and then rain's children start to get a little bit fussy and she tells donald listen i need to get my kids out of this car they want to get out they're not behaving like we need to leave and as she's trying to do this donald takes a phone call However, Rain says that she didn't hear the phone ringing. She just figured that maybe the phone was on vibrate because she didn't hear the phone call come in. All she saw was that Donald picked up his phone and started speaking into it. And she just assumed that he was speaking to his wife because that's what it sounded like. You know, he was talking to his wife about what they were doing, how they were going to go inside the Walmart, and how they were going to go have some dinner later and have Chinese food. After this, Rain and her children get down to the Walmart and they start shopping. Now, Donald stays behind. We're not sure 
what he was doing or why he stayed behind in the van, but he just told the girls to go inside to start shopping while they continued to wait for the wife to arrive with the gift card. So Rain starts shopping around. She's in the little girl's clothing section, and then that's when Donald finally joins them. Now, he wasn't really shopping for anything himself. He was kind of just watching them, and then out of nowhere, he decided to add something to the cart that Rain had, and what he added was rope. Yeah, just rope, which is very odd. Now, Rain and her children were inside this Walmart for about an hour and a half shopping, and it was starting to get late. Rain wanted to go home, you know, to wash Cherish's hair so that she could have fresh hair for her flight in the morning. And she was also thinking, you know, it's a little bit weird. You know, we've been in here for an hour and a half, and Donald's wife still hasn't shown up yet with the gift card. Like, how am I going to pay for these things? And, you know, she just started to get a little bit suspicious about the situation. So they continue shopping and Donald actually took Cherish to the changing room twice. Yes, he took this eight-year-old little girl to a changing room by herself. He also kept pushing her to wear these really high heels that were literally women's shoes. So obviously they were completely inappropriate for a little girl to be wearing. And Ray knew about this. She knew that Donald was trying to get Cherish to wear these high heels and she said no, that she wasn't allowed to because not even she would wear these type of heels. You know, why was this grown man trying to get this little eight-year-old girl to wear heels? I just don't understand how Rain didn't think that this was like a red flag and didn't think that this was odd. So they continued shopping and at around 10.25 p.m., Walmart announced that they were closing soon. Now, this is when the group realized that they were all hungry because it was getting late and no one had eaten dinner yet. Now, there was actually a McDonald's inside the Walmart. I don't see that happen anymore, but back then there used to be like McDonald's and Subways and like other fast food restaurants inside Walmart so that you could eat while you were shopping. So Donald realizes that there's a McDonald's inside the store and that's when he recommends, you know, why don't we just eat inside the McDonald's? You know, it's convenient. Kids love McDonald's and it's inside the Walmart. And he actually asks Rain if Cherish can go with him to buy the food. And at this point, Rain is still shopping. So instead of going with Donald and Cherish to buy the McDonald's, she just lets Cherish go alone with this man that she just met a few hours ago with this 59 year old man that she doesn't know. Now, it's so hard to not judge the mother and be upset with her. But I just don't understand how she agreed to this. I mean, they weren't going to leave the Walmart to go buy the food since the McDonald's was inside. But still, letting your daughter walk away with a stranger is very scary. So Rain agrees to this plan, and you can actually see Cherish on the Walmart security footage walking with Donald in the direction of the McDonald's restaurant. However, they never make it to the restaurant. Instead of taking Cherish to McDonald's like he told Rain he was going to, he takes her outside of the Walmart. You can see them walking outside, going into the parking lot, and then getting inside Donald's van. And then he just drives away. Now on the security footage, you can see that Donald wasn't holding Cherish's hand or, you know, forcing her to leave the store. They were just walking out there completely normal. So maybe he told her that he was going to go grab something real quick from the car or, you know, something like that because Cherish didn't look scared leaving with him. Now, 20 minutes later, Rain is still inside the Walmart with her two younger daughters and a cart full of things to buy. Because remember, Donald said his wife was going to give them a gift card to pay everything with. So she's looking for Donald and for Cherish, you know, so they can pay for the items and go home. But there's no sign of them. 11 p.m. rolls around and Walmart starts closing down and all the customers start leaving. Rain is starting to get worried because it's closing time and there's no sign of her eight-year-old daughter. She starts looking everywhere inside the Walmart. She's going through the aisles. She's going through the dressing rooms. She even goes to look inside the McDonald's since that's where Cherish is supposed to be with Donald. She realizes that Donald and Cherish were never there because the McDonald's was already closed. 
I mean, that's just so frightening. The fact that like she showed up thinking her daughter was going to be there and then you just see that the McDonald's is closed. Like I would be freaking out being like, where's my daughter? So of course she's freaking out and she goes into the parking lot, but Cherish is nowhere to be found. Now this is when Rain starts going around yelling, call 911, my daughter's been taken. Now apparently no one would help her right away. I'm not sure why, but it wasn't until 11.20 p.m. when a store employee let Rain use her cell phone to call 911. So at this point, it's been 40 minutes since Rain last saw Cherish, and she was so worried. She didn't know what to do or where her daughter was, and I just can't imagine how scary that was. After getting the employee's phone, Rain called 911 and said that her daughter was taken by a stranger. Here's the 911 call. 911, Robinson. Hi, I'm at Walmart. I'm in turn. I think my daughter's been taken. What do you mean? Taken by a stranger. I can't find her. Okay, and she was last seen with this man? Yes, he went. To, he said he was going to McDonald's and he, he hasn't been there because the store is closed right now. I had a bad feeling about him. Okay, how long have you been looking for you? When was the last time you saw your daughter? How long ago? About half an hour ago. Now, Rain didn't have a lot of details to provide to the police. She didn't know Donald at all. I mean, she literally just met this man a few hours ago, so she didn't know his phone number, where he lived, nothing. Yes, he had shown her his driver's license, but in that moment, Rain said that she just couldn't remember anything about him. All she was able to do was describe him as a man with white hair who drove a white van. And she knew that she had a bad feeling about him and that he was the one who must have taken Cherish. If you listen to the 911 call, you know, you can hear how heartbroken Rain is and how she truly knows what a terrible mistake she made. And I do feel bad for her because I'm sure she truly thought that this man was harmless and that he was just an old man trying to help her out. But at the same time, it's just so upsetting that she let her eight-year-old daughter be alone with this man. So let's talk about the investigation that came after. When officers responded to the scene, they didn't treat it like an abduction case. They actually treated it like a missing persons case. So because of this, an Amber Alert was not sent out for another six hours, which is really confusing. Like, I don't understand why an Amber Alert wasn't immediately sent out. Now, the next morning at around 9 a.m., the police received a phone call about a suspicious white van. This call came from an officer who was involved in a separate road accident. So police get the call about the suspicious white van and they realize that this van is Donald's van, the van that they're looking for. They find the van on the highway, they pull it over, and in the driver's seat was Donald himself. Police started searching the van, but it was empty. There was no sign of Cherish or any other items belonging to her. Now, regardless of this, police still believe that they had found their guy because it was quickly discovered that Donald was a registered sex offender with crimes dating back to the 70s, which, wow, I just, I can't even imagine how Rain felt when she heard the news that she let her daughter go away with this registered sex offender. Now, going back to Donald, he was still wearing his clothes from last night, you know, when he was with Cherish, and the low half of his body was soaking wet. Due to this, investigators believed that he must have left Cherish somewhere by the water. After the Amber Alert was released, police received a tip from someone who had seen Donald's van parked by the woods earlier that morning. This is that call. Hi, we're calling about a suspicious van over here, a white van. It was parked behind some bushes. It's not there anymore, but we don't know if he dumped anything because we heard a girl just got a dumped from Walmart. Police immediately followed that lead, and unfortunately, it was exactly what the caller thought it was. They used a police dog to follow Cherish's scent into the area where the caller said that they had seen the van, 
and there, police discovered Cherish's body in the marsh of the creek behind the Highland Baptist Church. Her body was found underwater, weighted down by bricks and debris and under a tree. And this just breaks my heart, you know, she was only eight years old. She was so excited to go visit her dad in California and all she wanted was some new clothes for the trip. But then this man just came and just took her life away. An autopsy was done on Cherish's body by Emmy Valerie Rao, and it was determined that she was repeatedly sexually assaulted and that her cause of death was asphyxiation due to manual strangulation. According to Valerie, it would have taken Cherish three to five minutes to die this way. There was also blunt force trauma to her head and face, and there were rope marks around her neck, which is obviously why Donald bought that rope from Walmart, which is just so eerie to think about how he was there with Cherish and her family, and he bought the rope that he used to strangle her later. It's just crazy. Now, on top of all of that, she also had scrapes and bruises, which the examiner believes were the result of being transported to where her body was found. She also had injuries that were defensive and showed that she fought for her life, which is just everything about this is just so upsetting. The fact that she fought for her life and she knew what was happening in that moment, it's just heartbreaking. Cherish also had ant bites on her body that happened after her death. Now, those bites were actually the only injuries that happened after Cherish's death. All her other injuries unfortunately happened while she was still alive. Police look at all of this and they just can't believe that this happened. You know, how could someone do this to an eight-year-old little girl? I mean, who was this Donald guy and why did he do this? Well, let's talk about Donald's criminal history because it's very, very disturbing. By age five, he had started voyeurism, which is when you watch people without them being aware. At nine years old, Donald suffered a traumatic brain injury where he lost consciousness and had scalp lacerations. And as we've talked about on the podcast before, Traumatic brain injuries are often a factor in someone becoming a serious criminal and sometimes a serial killer. Now, by age 10, he began masturbating in public. Then, in 1977, Donald pled guilty to the crimes of masturbating in front of a 5- and 8-year-old. Yeah, it's disgusting. And he served time in a treatment facility, and then after he violated his probation, he was sent to the Florida State Prison for five years. Then, in 1991, he pleaded guilty to a burglary and grand theft charge. The max time for that is 15 years, but he only got Four months. In 1993, he attempted to kidnap 13-year-old Carrie Ann Buck. She actually helped bring him into custody by memorizing his license plate number, and she also identified him in a photo lineup. So for this crime, he could have gotten a life sentence because he was a repeated offender. However, he was only sentenced to 15 years. And then that sentence was actually completely vacated because he made an appeal based on a claim against his attorney. So he only ended up serving six years, but he was still a registered sex offender. And that to me is just so ridiculous. I just can't believe someone can get off on a technicality when, you know, the victim knew his license plate number and identified him in a photo lineup, but yet he only served six years for this. And then right after that, he served five months for attempted purchase of cocaine. Then later in 1999, Florida created the Jimmy Rice Act, which was made to determine whether prisoners with certain sexually related convictions would need to be assessed after serving their sentence to see if they would likely reoffend. And if they seem likely to, they would need to be committed to a secure facility in Arcadian to begin treatment until they were considered no longer a risk. And to no surprise, Donald was determined to be likely to reoffend. So he was sent to the treatment facility and he was released in 2002 by agreeing to still go to a treatment program where he would receive shots of a drug that apparently was made to suppress his sex drive as well as other treatment activities. 
But in 2003, he refused to take the shots and to continue in the program. After this, in 2004, he was involved in a property crimes case that got him another four years in prison. Donald was again evaluated for the Jimmy Rice Act civil commitment in 2006, but it was determined that he didn't meet the criteria, which again meant that they didn't believe that Donald would likely reoffend. which I'm just like, that's crazy. And we'll get into that a little bit later. In 2009, Donald posed as a Department of Children and Families welfare worker, and he asked a child sexually explicit questions on the telephone. From this, he was charged with the felony crimes of impersonating a Florida Department of Children and Families worker, child abuse, and extortion, which is just disgusting. I mean, this guy is just an overall terrible, terrible person. In 2012, he pleaded guilty in exchange for having the crimes brought down to misdemeanors. This also meant that he didn't qualify to be re-examined for the commitment facility. He served 438 days for those crimes, and he was released just weeks before murdering Cherish. Just weeks, you guys. All this happened before he even met Cherish and all of this like went down. The fact that this guy had such a big rap sheet and had done all of these terrible things but was never just like officially locked behind bars for the rest of his life is just scary. I mean this guy like I've said is a terrible terrible person and I just I can't believe it. I mean this guy literally had three chances to be put away for life but nothing was done about this. I mean he was literally charged with felonies you guys and yet he was just out and about and it's just really upsetting because if everything had been done properly and he had been put behind bars like how he deserved to be then you know he would have been stuck in prison for the rest of his life and then cherish would probably still be alive today so yeah that's pretty much everything that we know about donald his history is crazy but now let's talk about rain for a second because a lot of people think that she's to blame for her daughter's death as well as for allowing her to be alone with a stranger. However, experts have come out and said that Donald specifically targeted Rain just as much as he targeted Cherish. They say that Rain didn't have any money and that Donald used that as a way to manipulate her. He slowly built her trust at the Dollar General store. Then he continued to build it at Walmart. I mean, he got Rain to trust him enough to let him go inside the dressing room with Cherish. He built that trust little by little so that when he really left with Cherish, Rain wouldn't suspect anything. I can definitely understand this perspective from experts. I do think that Donald saw Rain as a vulnerable woman. You know, she was alone, dealing with three kids, had a stroller with her. You know, she was struggling with money. He probably saw her as someone easy to manipulate and take advantage of. So I do feel bad for Rain. You know, my heart breaks for her because she lost her little girl, and I'm sure that Rain regrets what she did and realizes that it was a mistake trusting this man. But also, I just think like this can be a lesson to others to never be too trusting, especially when it comes to your kids. So after all of this, Donald was arrested on June 22nd, 2013, and he was charged with first degree murder, rape and kidnapping. Now, before the trial began, the prosecutors had tried to get the judge to prohibit personal information about Rain from being used in the trial. Now, some of that information was that Rain said that she was a clairvoyant and that she had foreseen Cherish's death and that she knew Cherish wouldn't make it past eight years old, which I'm just like, why? Like, why would she even say that? The defense said that a jury had the right to know this information because it was up to them to decide whether Rain took steps to make that quote unquote prophecy come true. The defense team wanted to introduce Rain's history at the trial, you know, things like her relationship with Cherish's father, you know, being committed to a mental institution and then legally changing her name. But at the end of the day, Rain wasn't the one on trial. You know, she didn't make Donald do the things that he did. He's the one who took Cherish, abused her and then took her life away. His trial began on February 12, 2018, four years after Cherish's murder. 
Rain was actually the first witness in this trial, but surprisingly, the defense team didn't cross-examine Rain at all. You know, they basically had no defense. You know, Donald's team was just trying to avoid the death penalty because all the evidence against Donald was just very overwhelming. You know, there was literally CCTV footage from Walmart clearly showing Donald and Cherish leaving together. There's also witnesses that saw them together. So it was just really hard for Donald's team to prove that he didn't do this. Now, again, I'm just going to put a trigger warning here because what I'm going to say next is disturbing, but it's part of the trial. It's part of the case. And it's, you know, what happened to Cherish. So when the medical examiner, Valerie Rao, took the stand, she broke down and she was on the verge of tears over what she had to testify to. She actually asked for five minutes to collect herself while walking the jury through what had happened to Cherish. She explained to them that Cherish was conscious when Donald began strangling her to death. Valerie testified that she couldn't be certain what exactly was used in the strangulation, but the wide bruise pattern was consistent with it being from an article of clothing, like a t-shirt. Valerie also testified saying, quote, Looking at her genital area and her anal area, she had so much trauma. The anatomy was totally distorted by the injury that she sustained both in her vaginal area and her anus. And that is just so horrific and just so upsetting, you guys. Like, she's just like an eight-year-old little girl, and she went through so much trauma before her death. Valerie also inspected Donald while he was in custody, and he had injuries on his penis, which were caused by trauma. And they were consistent with Cherish's time of death and the time that she was missing. On top of that, semen was also found in Cherish's mouth, vagina, and rectum, and other DNA was found on her neck. This DNA was a 1 in 35 quintillion match to Donald, which means that it was certainly his DNA. And the DNA expert testified it's a non-existent chance that it was someone other than Donald. Cherish's DNA was also found on Donald. So it's just very disturbing. It's a lot like even just saying that I just can't imagine that happening to an eight-year-old little girl and this guy is just truly sick. So prosecutors also played secretly recorded tapes of Donald with another inmate talking and in this conversation Donald makes sexual comments about a 12-year-old girl. Also about this 12-year-old girl he says that she's just his quote target and that quote yeah, I'd like to run into her at Walmart, which again is just so disturbing. I mean, this guy just, it sounds like he has no remorse for what he's done and that he doesn't really care that he killed an eight-year-old little girl. And it also sounds like he's like bragging about this, you know, like, yeah, like 12-year-old little girl, like I want to meet her at Walmart. Like, I don't know, this guy's just so messed up. So in the trial, there was also a forensic neurologist who testified about Donald's brain injury. So Donald has CTE, which is also known as frontal temporal dementia. He also has a form of epilepsy, according to the neurologist expert. Now, this expert also said he has what would be called an orbital frontal syndrome, causing hypersexuality, disinhibition, inability to control inappropriate impulses, or judgment recidivism. Now, another doctor testified that if Donald wasn't using drugs, he's actually a very intelligent man who can be very deceptive and manipulative so i mean maybe that's how he was able to manipulate rain into letting her do all of these things you know letting him go inside the dressing room with cherish go to mcdonald's by themselves you know everything they're also saying that he can't control his impulses but i feel like what he did to cherish was very calculated you know this is something that he had planned since he saw them at the dollar general store you know he planned on manipulating rain into going to walmart with them getting in the van going inside being with cherish taking her to mcdonald's i mean he even bought the rope in that moment so it just seems like this wasn't really like an impulse thing like he planned on killing cherish now carrie ann buck also testified in court if you remember she was the girl who escaped from being kidnapped by donald in the early 90s 
Well, now she was a grown woman, but she still cried while retelling the story because of how traumatic it was. She testified that Donald told her to get the fuck in the van, and when she didn't, he chased after her in the van. Carrie Ann described the absolute terror that she went through while Donald chased her. She said that she was so afraid that she was going to slip and fall and that he'd find her. Now, while she was hiding, Donald was calling out saying, quote, I know you're in there, you little bitch. I'm going to find you which is just so disturbing and so scary. It's just crazy to me that Donald wasn't in jail for life for doing this and that he only got six years for attempted kidnapping. It really makes no sense to me that an attempted kidnapping and murder wouldn't have been taken more seriously. Because like I said, if Donald had been in jail, Cherish would have never been killed. It's just really heartbreaking. So Dr. Heather Holmes, a clinical forensic psychologist, testified for the defense saying that during her interview with Donald, he admitted to all these crimes against Cherish, but he also believed blamed her for killing her because he said that Cherish just followed him and climbed into his van and you know he thought to himself I'm a convicted sex offender how am I gonna explain this and I really don't think he would have had to explain anything if he just went back into the Walmart and just got McDonald's and didn't do any of this. Dr. Heather also testified that Donald had a history of blaming other people for his crimes and she said that he had an almost inappropriately close relationship with his mother. She explained that when Donald committed crimes his mother actually enabled him and would even pay off his debts to drug dealers. Now, she honestly wondered if there was a typo that caused Donald to not be put in the commitment center in 2006. You know, remember earlier I mentioned that you know, he was determined to not meet the criteria at the time. So Dr. Holmes said that in the notes, it would seem that he would meet the criteria. So it would seem that the ending determination might have been an error. You know, maybe instead of checking the box of like, Yes, he's going to likely reoffend. They accidentally checked the other box, which is how he was let go and wasn't, you know, supposed to go to the facility and all that, which is crazy. Like, that's just so upsetting. If it really was just like a typo or like a clerical error, that's crazy. Now, Donald's defense attorneys asked the jury to not give Donald the death penalty and to show him mercy because he is, quote, sick. Anyways, the jury only deliberated for 12 minutes just 12 minutes before finding Donald guilty of all charges. The jury also unanimously voted yes to the death penalty. And I just feel like it's really hard to show mercy to someone who kidnapped, assaulted, and killed an eight-year-old little girl. So after the sentencing, Billy, who is Cherish's father, was very emotional. And he said that this wasn't justice. He said that the legal system works the way it works, but Donald has been living for five years after the death of his daughter Cherish, and he gets to keep living until he is eventually put to death. He explained that it's not justice because Cherish never had the option to live. I mean, the night before she was supposed to go fly to see him in California, she was killed. It's just so unfair. Now, after the trial, jail phone calls between Donald and his mother got out. And in them, Donald talks about being bigger than Casey Anthony. He seems happy to be getting all this attention, and he honestly seems to be enjoying it all. On the call, he also said that he killed Cherish because he was already a registered sex offender. He said that once Cherish followed him into his van, he just said, quote, all I knew was, you gotta go. You know, it's cases like this that make me really believe that sex crimes should also come with life sentences, or at the very least, proper rehabilitation. I mean, this guy just doesn't seem to care at all about wanting to change and be a better person or have any remorse for what he had done. The fact that he's like bragging about how he's bigger than Casey Anthony and that everybody knows his name now is just really upsetting. And I can imagine how, you know, Cherish's family feels about this. So, for example, in the case of John Wayne Gacy, who is also known as like the clown killer, he had gone to jail for rape. And then it was only after he got out that he began murdering his victims. 
Basically, the threat of going back to jail because they had a living victim most likely caused John Wayne Gacy and maybe even Donald Smith to murder their victims. You know, that way there would be no witnesses, no nothing that could put them back in jail. Now, Donald also told his mom on the phone, quote, I mean, mental illness is my whole defense, basically and it's got to be good. So currently, as of today, Donald's defense team has appealed his case to the Florida Supreme Court, their argument stating that he's entitled to a new trial. And one of their reasons for this new trial is that they believe that there should have been a change in venue. Now, what that means is when a case is so public and, you know, all over the news, sometimes it's not seen as fair because a jury might be biased because of the media coverage. But that did come up at the start of Donald's trial, and none of the legal grounds for a change of venue were met. Now, another one of the arguments for a new trial is the emotional testimony from the medical examiner. Now, remember, like I said, she was really emotional on the stand. She even asked for a five minute break to collect herself. So she was very emotional you know, talking about what she witnessed. However, experts have said that this isn't enough for a new trial because the medical examiner, you know, asked for a break to compose herself. There's no rule against an expert or professional expressing real emotions. And, you know, that testimony wouldn't have swayed a jury, especially with all the other evidence. So as of now, he is still behind bars, but I will definitely keep you guys posted about any changes or updates. I know Cherish's family feels like this isn't justice and that it's not fair. And, you know, they're right. It's not fair that Cherish lost her life while this man continues to live and, you know, is still able to talk to his mom and just breathe. Cherish had her entire life ahead of her and this old man just took everything away from her. It's not fair, but, you know, at least he is behind bars and will hopefully never be released and won't hurt anyone else again. Now, as for Cherish's mother, Rain, she did lose custody of her two younger daughters almost immediately after Cherish's death. Rain vowed to get them back, but they now live in Australia after being adopted by an aunt that lives there. A GoFundMe account was created in 2017 to help the family through the last stages of gaining Australian citizenship, but that account has now stopped accepting donations. And you know, it is sad that Rain did lose custody of her two younger children after such a tragic event, but you know, Rain's negligence did play a part in what happened to Cherish. I do hope that her sisters are safe and happy and that they've you know, moved on from this and are living a better life. You know, Cherish's father's wish is that he hopes people remember Cherish's smiling face. You know, she was a beautiful, happy little girl. My thoughts and prayers go out to Cherish's family. I am so sorry that this happened to her. It honestly scares me how evil people can be. I mean, you just can't trust anybody. I hope people do learn from this and realize that you need to be more careful with who you let around your kids. Not everyone has good intentions. Not everyone is a good person. You just have to be careful and you just can't let your kids go off with anyone. But all right, you guys, that's pretty much everything I have for today's case. I know it was a difficult one to listen to. I just can't believe that this actually happened. And, you know, it just sounds like Donald has no remorse. It sounds like he doesn't even care about what he did and that he took the life of an eight-year-old little girl. It's just very disturbing, but like I said, I'm happy that he's behind bars and that, in a way, justice was served. I'll definitely keep you guys posted on any new movements in the case, but thank you guys so much for being here and for taking the time to listen to what happened to Cherish Periwinkle. If there's ever any cases you would like me to cover, please leave me a comment under my YouTube video or send me a message through Instagram. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review you what happened wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to my channel true crime jackie on youtube for full video episodes you can find me on instagram at true crime jackie and on tiktok at true crime jackie all right you guys i will see you all in the next episode bye guys